Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, December 30th, 2016, and today we're reading from the, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're currently on page XXVII in the doctor's opinion. Um, we're reading, let's see, through uh, the, uh, the first line, or excuse me, the third line, which starts the doctor writes through four, four complete paragraphs ending to apply the powers of good that lie outside our synthetic knowledge. And we're going to have our comments on all, all those paragraphs. Uh, today's readers are, we have Stacy T on the 12 steps, Allison L on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text this morning are Nadia B, uh, Sylvia F, and Lisa H. The uh, reference number for yesterday, Thursday, December 29th, is 9398. That's 9398. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive uh, eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose and that's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And at A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask uh, Stacy T to read the 12 steps. Stacy. Good morning, this is Stacy T in Cleveland. Thanks Larry for your service, the 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. I pass. Thank you so much, Stacey. No, let me now ask uh, Allison L. to read the 12 traditions. Allison, good morning. Good morning, Larry, and good morning, all my fellows. This is Allison L. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. The 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
too, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, <clears throat> lest problems of money, property, or and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. I pass. We have the best readers. Thank you, Allison. Okay. Um, here's how our meeting is supposed to work. Um, our meeting focuses on the direction for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then we stop and share on what was read. And anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsible readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. And this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. So to share, press star one to unmute your phone. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. And then press uh, star one again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're going to resume our study uh, of the big book. Uh, and we are we're in the doctor's opinion. We're on page XXVII. And I'm going to ask Nadia B. to get us started. Nadia. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. The doctor writes, the subject presented in this book seems to me to be of paramount importance to those afflicted with alcoholic addiction. I say this after many years' experience as a medical director of one of the oldest hospitals in the country treating alcoholic and drug addiction. There was, therefore, a sense of real satisfaction when I was asked to contribute a few words on a subject which is covered in such a masterly detail in these pages. We doctors have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology was of urgent importance to alcoholics, but its application presented difficulties beyond our conception. What with our ultra-modern standards, our scientific approach to everything, we are perhaps not well equipped to apply the powers of good that lie outside of our synthetic knowledge. And uh, I love talking about this subject. Obviously, you know, the subject that this 
um, of, of such an importance here for, for someone who suffers with addiction. Um, and as I realized, I do. And after years of suffering from it, um, I ran out of ideas and, you know, turned to this book in search for answers for missing piece, um, you know, and um, before that, I've done a lot of research. And uh, when I looked up Dr. Silkworth, I realized that this um, this guy, he spent all entire career working with um, with alcoholics, and um, and what he's uh, you know this subject. What is the subject in this book? And you know, today being a recovered person, I the subject is a plan of recovery a perfect recipe um, how to escape death from this disease, 12 steps, a search for that spiritual experience, and, um, you know, and a search for a power, higher power, power bigger than me, uh, you know, power of good that, you know, the doctor tells me that I should be looking for, um, and, you know, when when doctors run out of options, that usually um, scares me. And with doctors like this, you know, this is not my regular physician. This is the guy that worked with alcoholics all his life. And he's telling me, you know, that I need a power of bigger than me. And, you know, that it's out of his scope of practice here. Because with all the ultra-modern standards in in these days even, we have not found um, a, a perfect solution for alcoholism or for me with food addiction. And um, so, you know, I um, truly trust today this subject that is so um, masterfully described in this book because um this is the only thing that saved my life today and um you know helped me to find that power that i was looking for all my life um and tried to replace it with food um man uh you know you name it um alcohol cigarettes anything <clears throat> and um thank god for the steps and with that i'll pass Thanks so much, Nadia. Okay, we're going to open open this up to sharing. Um, just to, to be clear, Nadia started us on page XXVII, beginning with the third line, the doctor writes. She read through four complete paragraphs, ending to apply the powers of good that lie outside our synthetic knowledge, and we're commenting on all four paragraphs. So with that, oh, my God, take a breath. Who would like to share? Harlan G. Kim G. Kim G. Reva P. Uh, Julia R. Can you hear me? Danielle O. Gloria K. Okay, let me tell you who I have so far. Okay, I have Harlan. I got Kim, Reva, Julie. I don't know if I heard Adimi. I mean, Arimi. Um, I heard Danielle and Gloria. Who did I miss there? Okay. Adimi, did I hear you? I'm Heather from Florida. Heather. 
Okay, I got you on the end here. Um, all right, I'm not sure if I heard of Amy or not, but um, let's start off with Harlan, followed by Kim. Hey, Harlan, good morning. Good morning, Larry. I uh, Harlan G. Recovered compulsive old reader in Scottsdale, Arizona, where it was in the mid 70s yesterday. If you guys are looking for a vacation spot, uh, good to be on. Thank you for Team Friday to Team Friday too for all your service as well. This is a very, very profound set of little paragraphs here. This is wonderful. First of all, he's going to Dr. Silkworth is going to give us a, a credential. He's going to say he has many years' experience as medical director of one of the oldest hospitals in the country treating alcoholic and drug addiction. That's the Towns Hospital in New York City. But I want to take this paragraph here, starting with we doctors, and with permission, I want to just change some of the words because Dr. Silkworth is writing this from the position of being a doctor. He is a scientist. He is not a, a spiritual giant at this point. He's not. He's writing this as a doctor. Let's let's just take a listen here for a minute. We doctors have realized for a long time that some form of spiritual awakening was of urgent importance to alcoholics, but its application presented difficulties beyond medicine's conception. What with medicine's ultramodern standards, medicine's scientific approach to everything, doctors are perhaps not well equipped to apply the powers of God that lie outside our medical knowledge. What is he telling me here? I better pay attention to it because what he is telling me here is that he knows what's wrong with me and there's nothing he can do about it. When I needed my hip replaced, I went to a doctor. When I needed my knee replaced, I went to a doctor. If I have strep throat, I go to a doctor. When I have an eating disorder, I go to Overeaters Anonymous, and if I don't work the steps out of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm going to die in the food. We have dumped a truckload of dreck on the lawn of the medical profession and we have said to them, we will give you the wealth of Midas if you can cure us. And they can't. What's the biggest section in any drugstore? The weight loss products, the weight loss stuff. It's a multi-trillion dollar a year industry. And there is nothing that is going to be effective for people like me unless I work the steps and have a spiritual awakening as the result of those steps. And the prerequisite for that is to put down the food. If I don't do that, I am going to die never having lived. Because in the food, I am walking death. And so he is not just some shrub who walked in off the street. He is the medical director of the, one of the oldest hospitals in the country treating alcoholic and drug addiction. And he is telling me in, on this page that in order for me to gain any type of life, I must turn to a power greater than myself. And the vehicle to turn to, excuse me, to that power is the steps in this book. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thanks, Harlan. Hey, Kim, what's up? Good morning, Larry. Let's go from the West Coast to the East Coast. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Jersey. Um, 
Oh, the subject presented in this book seems to me to be of paramount importance to those afflicted with alcoholic addiction. Paramount importance. You know, we have to remember, you know, our 12 steps are based on the six tenets of the Oxford group, and that wasn't intended for addicts. It was intended for people who wanted a relationship with a higher power, with a relationship with God. And we're being told even in the, in the fourth and first edition that this way of living will be helpful to many. But what we have to understand is compulsive overeater, this is paramount importance. It's a life and death errand. You know, if you read Dr. Bob's story, when Bill came to him and gave him the good news or the bad news about what an alcoholic was, he discovered that Bob had been in the Oxford group for three years. But when he realized what he suffered from, he went after that solution in the Oxford group with something he couldn't muster once he realized his life depended on it. You know, I've had conversations over the last couple of weeks with people who their sponsors or elders in their groups are telling them, listen, you're taking this way too seriously. You know, if you get through the steps, you can have cake on your birthday. You know, the problem is that we overeat. It's not that we eat certain foods. That's like going into an AA meeting and saying, you know what, the problem is you're drunk. But the problem isn't that you're going to have a beer at the Super Bowl. The problem is you're drunk. Let's teach you how to have a beer at the Super Bowl and be happy. You know, we're going to learn in the coming chapters about the moderate eater, someone who can take it or leave it alone. That can on Thanksgiving binge their brains out, and they stop the day after Thanksgiving because the food's not available. We're going to learn about the hard eater, someone who can stop or moderate given sufficient reason. They might even be some of our binge buddies. But when they get that diagnosis of diabetes, when they're told by their husband that you're getting fat and I'm going to leave you if you don't lose weight, they're able to do that. What I have to understand is if I'm afflicted, I'm afflicted with this alcoholic addiction, if I'm one of the real compulsive overeaters, that allergy, the food must die. You know, more about alcoholism, which to me is a magical chapter, because that tells me why I need to come to OA. As bad as the allergy is, if I didn't have the mental obsession, I wouldn't take that first bite. So I'm hit with some hard truths in, the, in that chapter. One of them is on page 33, where it it says, if we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday we'll be immune to alcohol. So if you're hearing in your meetings that someday when you do the steps, you can pick up the food again and eat it moderately, that's not what my book tells me. We're also told on page 34, for those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether, which once again is contradicting a lot of stuff I heard in the rooms. But I want to talk about the fact that whether a person can put on a non-spiritual basis, and I'll wrap up with this, all right, I'm hitting my three minutes, is there are many people in Overeaters Anonymous who are not real compulsive overeaters. They can quit on a non-spiritual basis. They can be handed a food plan. They can do the tools alone. I have to do the steps with the tools in order to recover. So, Jess, if you're the real compulsive overeater like me, please find the real compulsive overeater to sponsor you. Otherwise, you will die. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Kim. <clears throat> okay, so we have Reva followed by Danielle. Reva, good morning. Good morning, Larry. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive reader in Toronto. What these paragraphs remind me is um, I could try other methods, but for a compulsive overeater of my variety, where I have the allergy of the body, the obsession of the mind, this is the only thing that's going to work. Um, and the thing that struck me the most was about the application. And he uses the word application twice in that last paragraph that we read. 
And that reminds me that I can have knowledge, and these doctors had a lot of knowledge about the problem, but they weren't able to apply a solution. And you know what? I can have a lot of knowledge about this particular program. I can go to meetings. I can listen to these meetings. Um, I can read a lot, and I can know a lot. But if I don't apply it, and I don't practice what it suggests, it's absolutely useless. Um, and it sounds so simple, and it reminds me of you know, exercise programs. I can read about exercise. I can have an exercise program. I can look at the sheet and say, this is really simple. But if I don't do it, I'm not going to be any more fit than when I started. So it's very practical. Um, it's about doing it, not just thinking about it or analyzing it. Um, and uh, then it works. And that's all I have to share this morning. Thank you. Thanks so much, Reva. Okay, good morning, Danielle. It's your turn. Hi, Danielle All from Northern New York. Hi, everybody. Nice to be here this morning. This meeting reminds me of my early days when I first arrived. And <clears throat> the one person that I had to learn how to trust right off was my sponsor. I couldn't say I was I was ready to trust my higher power yet because it was everything was so new, but trusting my sponsor was something I could do. And that relationship had had changed over time but it also grew and that was something that I was looking for. I wanted to not be the same person I was that walked in the doors and it seemed the only people that had any hope were the people who were sitting there meeting after meeting and working this program. So when they say if you want what I have, then you'll do what we do. That was the instruction I had to learn how to um, pay attention to. And that was something I did. <laughs> I didn't do it well all the time, but I did do it. And I, and I stuck with the people who were also doing it. And, you know, that trust relationship is, is something that is so vital to this program, and especially for me because I came here with so much mistrust. And <clears throat> it's, been, uh, it's been a journey. And I've, I've learned so much about what it means to be a compulsive overeater. And the literature really helps me to uh, bring that home even more. I don't have power over food. Only when I work this program do I find a higher power that makes it easier for me to <clears throat> walk in a, in a normal world. As much as I am different and as much as I know I can't eat normally, Thank God there's people in these rooms that understand that, and, and there are a few out there who understand it who aren't compulsive overeaters. But watch what I do, and they see what a miracle it's turned, I've turned into. To, to be where I am, the way I am, the health I'm in, is amazing. I, I, it's sort of a miracle, if, if not a miracle, because I never saw this coming. But by being here, staying here, working the steps, sticking close to my sponsor, taking the suggestions, it does work. And that's the beauty of this. So I'm grateful to be here this morning. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great day. Thanks, Danielle. Okay, we have Gloria next, followed by Heather. Gloria, good morning. Hey, Gloria, you have to press star one. Okay, now I really scared her away. Oh, <laughs> oh there you are. Well, originally from New York, from Broward County, now Florida. I've been here for the last over 40 years. And um, 
What I wanted to say is is that I love this. I love the big book, and I love the vision. I, I don't share much, um, but I'm I'm one of the few that when I came into OA in 1987, uh, we did the first 30 uh, assignments for the big book and the AAs. Um, and what I got was from the very first meeting that I went to, there were 100 people, and I was sitting there with my head going down as the speaker spoke. Oh, yes, that's me. Here I am, almost 40 years old. I knew I had an, an issue with food. I didn't know what the problem was. I couldn't go into um, a grocery store without eating a bag of something. Anyway, um, but what really helped me from day one, I was really very lucky, was I prayed. I just prayed. I prayed, please, God, help me not pick up. Please, God, help me not pick up. And I did it. I did it. Uh, and I continue to do it. And, um, you know, it always, it hasn't been a straight run, but it's, it's just, I love OA because I am a compulsive overeater and I need this program, and I need to hear what you all are saying on a daily basis because uh, my disease uh, could tell me, oh, I could have this or I could have that. But for today, I know um, I'm abstinent, and I love it. So thank you all for being there. Uh, thanks, Gloria. Okay, we have um, Heather next, followed by Arini. Heather, good morning. Hi, this is Heather. I'm from Florida. Um, I haven't been um, with the group that long, but the oh, sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. Started fighting. Um, <laughs> I have actually lost 87 pounds in the past eight months, and. Um, that's wonderful. That's just amazing, and I'm very thankful to be able to call. And I don't share a lot. I just love to listen and, um, you know, let the all the good, wise advice sink in, and it works. And I'm very grateful. And um, I did the um, NA for I did the 90 and 90 and. Um, so, you know, when I came into this, it was, even though it was OA, it's still, you know, I felt like I was at home. So I just appreciate everybody's advice and wise decisions. And thank you. I'll pass. Thanks, Heather. Okay, Karini, it's your turn. Just press star one. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. I was Hi. <laughs> Thank you for your service and your wonderful sense of humor. And good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, always giving credit where credit is due. So here, Dr. Silkworth has discovered that the alcoholic has a twofold disease, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And with this combination, 
in his humble way, realized that he couldn't do anything, that no human aid could relieve these alcoholics from their illnesses of their mind as well as their body. So he had witnessed from these alcoholics that they had put a practical application into use and experienced the transformation of the mind. This application was beyond anybody's conception, and it still is today. We don't understand it. We just have to accept it. Dr. Siltworth witnessed the action of power in Bill W., just like we experience that same power in all of us that are recovered. Realizing, he realized that the problem is not alcohol. The problem isn't physical, but the problem is a spiritual malady. So a power was needed greater than ourselves to to restore us back to sanity. You know, they had become recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body and had been given a power to help others as well. That's a double whammy, two powers. And what a miracle, what a new discovery. And mostly it's a gift. They had a message of depth and wave, and that was transforming lives from despair to hope. So God wants to enlarge our hearts, not our minds. This practical application is simple. It's a gift from God. We don't have to understand it. We don't have to dissect it. We don't have to understand it in our heads, but in our hearts. We just need to trust it, and it works. And um, I always believe what we focus on, we become. So what we practice also, we become. So why not practice something that works, to trust the process, to put it in our hearts and to delete it from our heads and become the person God would have us be. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Arini. Okay, who else would like to share on what was read? Penny C. Amanda R. Melissa C. This is Raquel. Ben. Okay, I got Penny. I got Amanda, Melissa, Raquel, Ben. I missed somebody, I think. Etsy B. Etsy. Okay, I gotcha, gotcha. Anybody else? All right, let's go with that that incredible lineup, starting with Miss Incredible herself, Penny. Penny, good morning. Good morning. Thank you, Larry. Um, This is Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area and so happy to be able to say that and grateful to be able to say that. The more we read about Dr. Silkworth and his opinion, the more more grateful I become to him. Um, In my readings about his life and how he happened to become the medical director at Towns Hospital, as as has already been said, it was because of something horrible that happened. the 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 market crash of 1929, and he couldn't afford to keep his private practice. and And so Charlie Towns says, "Here, I'll give you forty dollars. I think it was forty dollars a month, or forty dollars a week, maybe." 
but still not a whole lot of, of, of money to come and be the medical director of the town's hospital. And Dr. Silkworth, from the history, had no intention of becoming, you know, the the little doctor who loved alcoholics. And from the beginning, he was a neurologist, and he looked forward to when, you know, the economy would be better and he could get back to his private practice. But he fell in love with, with the idea that, these people needed needed an advocate, and and he he devoted his entire career from then on to helping alcoholics. Even though, as he says in that last paragraph that was read, that with all the ultra modern standard scientific approach to everything, that the we doctors were perhaps not well equipped, not well equipped to apply any any of these these um, theories or, 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 or treatments to to helping the alcoholic. But then I love how he puts it, the powers of good, because Dr. Silkwood's not ready to say God yet. That's all. He's just not ready, so he calls it the powers of good. And, and isn't this the whole history of how he became you know, uh, interested in, in alcoholism and alcoholics and how he wrote the doctor's opinion. It has to be divine providence. It has to be. That a whole set of circumstances that seem like, like just a mistake became the, the, uh, the basis for so many addicts, myself included, who have been able to recover from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I couldn't be more grateful to this little 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 man um, who was a giant, really, in 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 the history of addiction. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Penny. Let's travel up to Maine, and then we'll we'll, we'll travel down to New York. Amanda, good morning. Good morning. This is Amanda R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maine. And uh I every time I read through this, the this these paragraphs, those those words the, the, towards the end of the last paragraph, the the powers of good, they really jump out at me. And um I think of my years before the program when when things were going downhill and they started going downhill faster and faster and a lot of really well-intentioned and uh intelligent and and caring people did their level best to help me and they taught me techniques to deal with uh the discomfort of life with my eating with all sorts of things I took mountains of of pills trying to fix this thing um and then I just sort of <laughs> wandered into my first OA meeting because I was like, well, here's something I haven't tried yet. And I was coming up on, on 300 pounds, which is really scary. So um, I discovered not only have I in this program found a way to return to physical health, where I'm almost back to a normal weight now, um, I found that this program with the powers of good what 
the spirituality of this program, which I which I take to mean what gives my life meaning, what pulls me forward, what's like what is the bright light of of hope and wholeness and joy and happiness and um, that fixed not fixed but gives me a way a healthy way to deal with what lay underneath all that eating which was sort of a fundamental sense of life's not fair people are treating me wrong nothing ever works out right i'm unhappy because of the way life is treating me and through this program and this is a real miracle because i was pretty deep into life's not fair through this program, I came to learn to accept with grace the way life is and to live happily in the world as it is, not as I wish it would be, but as it is. And that is sounds like a tall order, but through working the steps, it can happen to anybody. And that's all there is, and I'll pass for now. Thanks. Thanks, Amanda. Okay, we have Melissa next, followed by Raquel. Melissa, good morning. Hi, good morning, Larry. It's Melissa C. Recovered, uh, compulsive overeater in New York. And I'm thinking you should be a talk show host because you've got a great uh, great (laughs) voice. Anyway, uh, you know, what strikes me this morning is um, that – this synthetic um, knowledge, you know, wasn't enough. Man-made knowledge um, is not enough to um, beat this, you know, and yet that was all that I tried, you know, over and over again um, was, you know, man-created ideas, um, weight loss schemes, you know, uh, everything, medical intervention, and it all fell short. And, you know, it's just um, I'm blown away by the humility of this doctor. You know, like <clears throat> you go to a doctor and um, and he's going to say, yeah, guess what? I can't help you. Um, you need to become a better person. You know, nowhere in any of my um, experience did anybody say to me, Melissa, the key to this uh, problem that you have with food and weight is you've got to become a better person. Um, you know, and and even in the beginning of OA, um, hearing it in that way, um, like I kind of would laugh. Like, what do you mean? I, don't make me a better person. Just make me thin. Um, and uh, you know, but that truly is that's what's required. And and it's terrifying. You know, I think it's why um, it scared the the lights out of me in the beginning. You know, the God talk terrified me the um the idea of being changed through the steps really scary you know but um when you realize there's nothing else you can do like no other um solution worked didn't work for me i tried them over and over and over again um yeah growing into a better person and finding some definition of a power greater than me and greater than man in general um, is exactly what's needed. And, um, you know, and the beauty is the steps will allow it to happen in a slow progression. 
You know, you don't have to come in knowing exactly what God is. You don't have to come in knowing exactly what it's going to look like to grow into this moral, better person. What you do have to be is willing, you know, willing, beaten down to say, um, you know what, I'm going to follow the steps and I'm going to allow it to transform me um, because it's got to be better than what, than the way I'm living. Um, So if that's how you're feeling, um, you know, you're in the right spot. You don't have to have the answers. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks, Melissa. Okay, we have Raquel next, followed by Ben. Raquel, good morning. Good morning, Larry. Can you hear me? I can. You're coming through loud and clear. I can hear you great. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful day to all of you. My wonderful family. They're so good to be with you. And this one more more Hanukkah holiday in which I didn't need to neither pick up nor go and cook and bake for other people, what I cannot yet deal with. So uh, here I am, very happy to be with you. This is a, an incredible paragraph in the book. I'll take you back on what was said before me. The tremendous humility. I love this Dr. Silkwood. I love him so much because I found a picture of his in Alcoholics uh, coming, of, um, AA coming of Age. There's a beautiful portrait of him. And... Uh, and I, I put it, I framed it. I made myself a copy and I framed it. And now that you're studying the doctor's opinion, it's somewhere in my study. And now that you're studying the doctor's opinion, I have him in front of me with a very kind smile in his eyes. The, the little doctor who loved alcoholics, but the humility to admit we don't know. So, you know, our ultra modern. How do we say this? With our, our, our ultra-modern standards, I mean, it's a last for us. They didn't know anything about kidney transplants or heart transplants. How very modern were they? But the, the, the pride of mankind, the, the ego, we have arrived, you know, we've arrived nowhere. Today, there was a little article in the newspaper that this man had a heart transplant from the heart of a court who did away with himself. And this very simple man started writing poetry. And they just said, you know, we just have facts. We don't understand. There's a heck of a lot more that we don't understand than we do. But Dr. Silkworth was followed by the wonderful contribution of Dr. Young, who, who was afraid to say the word God and devil and all that to, um, uh, to Roland Hazard. But he did say, that he's craving for alcohol and reading from, from the language of the heart, just two lines here, that his craving for alcohol was the equivalent on a low level of the spiritual thirst of our being for wholeness, expressed in his evil language, the union with God. So in our generation, where addiction is, as I feel it, is getting the, in, in my community, getting a hold of more and more people and the accessibility through internet and all that, to think that people just ruin their families through it. The internet is wonderful. Fire is wonderful, too, in the fireplace, not in the middle of the carpet. So all these big powers, and we don't know how to deal with them. So people just go into, into addiction to get that even comfort from how the world is and how life is and how I'm not able to accept life and life's terms. 
But the, the, the idea here from Dr. Silk was at that time, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing the towel in. I can't. These people can. Trust them. They have a hold of something that I don't even know what it is, but it works. I, I, I love this paragraph, and I love you all, and wish you a wonderful recovery, and I pass. Thank you, Raquel. Okay, we have Ben next, followed by Betsy. Hey, Ben. Oh, hi. It's um, Ben C. from Washington State. Um, I'm uh, actually, I'm, I'm pretty new. Uh, I've been in vision for a year and a half listening, but Arini's just started to sponsor me, so I'm pretty raw. But um, I'm actually, it's funny, calling from the Mount Baker ski area in Washington State. I drove all the way up here. I'm on a break from Arini to, to so go skiing today, but I had to get up here at 4 to, to actually listen and be online. Um Anyway, um, uh, the, this this what Harlan said about doctors being um, absolute, absolutely not able to give us any sort of idea. They're not equipped to apply the powers of good and their synthetic knowledge. I just couldn't agree more. I, I remember seeing one of the TLC things on the 600-pounders of some poor person wheeled into a hospital um, just to lose weight on a, on a fixed diet. Uh, to get bariatric surgery because they were going to die. And their story was sad. Their mom was, like, co-enabling them, pumping food into them constantly day after day. It was just a sad thing that that's what doctors think the solution is today, bariatric surgery. And when I went to World Service, there was even an article in the New York Times that said that the Bariatric Surgery Association did a study saying that that, that, that we'd shown that willpower doesn't work, and so what bariatric surgeons want to teach in medical school is for uh, our compulsive overeaters who are obese, morbidly obese, the only solution, they said, was bariatric surgery. And I thought, how sad that the 12 steps work, but it's free, and, and they're not interested in it. So I, I, just, I just thought that was um, just such a sad thing to see that sort of propaganda in the New York Times and so little understanding of our disease. Um, but anyway, I had a funny thing, um, just, just to cheer, cheer me up. Um, I sent something to, um, uh, Larry and, uh, Kim G, uh, about how we might be able to, you know, one day change the, I don't think it'll happen in my lifetime that there'll be a doctor's opinion that recognizes food addiction. Uh, the only science that's come out is only a year old and it takes so long to get from science to the doctor's opinion. But the one thing that's funny that Larry's got um, is when this science came out, it was in this magazine called Cell, and they actually discovered last year that there's a binge-eating circuit in the brain. It's different. It's shocked them to death. Different than the normal eating circuit. So it's our binge-eating circuits that are defective, probably because, like, we used to have to binge on sugar and stuff like honey to survive and the old days when we were hunter-gatherers, it made sense to go nuts on the honey. But now you've got honey at candy bars like at a checkout. And so most people are fine, but us 10% of people with the addiction, eh, we just can't. We get in trouble. Anyway, so, uh, but the funny part, funny part is on the cover of this big magazine, <laughs> there's a picture of a brain, and then on the right there's a picture of a cupcake, <laughs> and on the left there's a picture of a tree where you can put in a broccoli. Um, and so just this cover itself, I thought was just so funny because it just said so much about the, you know, what our, what our little, um, 
a little not filler upper uh, circuit in our brain that's defective as like. And uh, anyway, with, with that, I'll pass. Hey, thanks, Ben. Okay, Betsy, it's your turn. Hi, this is Betsy from Northern Wisconsin, and I'm fairly new to vision, but I've been around the 12 steps for 37 years. And it was only in the last couple of years that I've actually seen this um, particular sentence that makes reference to, we are perhaps not well equipped to apply the powers of good, to apply the powers of good that lie outside of synthetic knowledge. I have worked in healthcare for 30-some years, and um, I have plenty of synthetic knowledge, but I was aware very early on that there was a huge spiritual component to, in fact, that was the only component to healthcare. It was spiritual, and I would find myself being asked to do things like resuscitate people who were just ravaged and dying by cancer and begging you to let them die and weeping about doing that. And we didn't, weren't, weren't granted the power to let nature take its course. And, um, you know, so we were led to believe that we knew something that we didn't, like how to save somebody and make life worthwhile to keep living. So when I finally read this passage and it penetrated, I was like, that's always been what's battling me. I don't have the power to apply um, what I need to for my program. I mean, I understood I needed to be a better person, and I had to put down the food, and I had to build my character and do a whole heck of a lot of things, but I could not do it. And as much as I wanted to, and tried. And when I finally ran into a program that said, well, this is what you are and you must do, which is put down the substance and follow these steps. It said how to follow the steps, not just following them, but here's how you do it. And I'm still reading through AA and OA literature and finding very concrete examples that this is how you do this. And I just am so grateful for that in my life, and I just wanted to share that. I love this paragraph. I was uh, brought to this paragraph when we were reading the doc's opinion in my other 12-step uh, program, and there were two doctors in that group. And it was just struck me. I wonder if, they, if this ever really sprang out to them, and one of them had never noticed what the paragraph said at all. So, you know, <laughs> we're all back a lot learning more and more, and I'm, I'm very grateful to be recovered and be listening to this meeting. I'll pass. Thanks so much, Betsy. Well, I'm going to jump in and take a share, if that's okay. Um, this is Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsible Reader from Chicago. You know, the, the, this paragraph, these paragraphs are always, um, always catch my eye because I, I like where Dr. Silkworth talks about this notion of, uh, you know, his synthetic knowledge and Dr. Synthetic Knowledge. And, um, you know, doctors are trained, um, you know, uh, through scientific methodology and, uh, you know, and, and so anything outside of that sphere is really, really challenging. It takes a visionary like Dr. Silkworth to, to at least be open 
to the possibility that there could be something beyond our synthetic knowledge that could be of help to, to human beings. And, um, you know, if, if this didn't happen to me by, through this practical program of action, that, I, that my life was changed, that I went from a, a pretty miserable person, um, restless, irritable, discontent, um, self-centered to the extreme, um, couldn't, couldn't stop eating. I just couldn't, couldn't stop eating. I had one tool in the toolbox. And yet, um, in my profession, you know, I tried as incongruent as I was, <clears throat> I tried to go out and, and, and had great intent to help other people. And, and perhaps sometimes I did, but with this particular issue, this spiritual malady that I, that I had, uh, you know, there was many manifestations of this disease and one of them was my just utter inability to put the food down and you know um today what i can tell you is i have not found it necessary to pick up a binge substance in a number of years and uh to that i'm grateful to the 12 steps to visionaries like like uh, dr silkworth because how ironic that it took the 12 steps of overeaters anonymous to bring me into alignment with the higher power of my own understanding and where this obsession of the mind was literally eradicated. Contingent, contingent, of course, on my fit spiritual condition. And uh, I'll always be a, a, an imperfect human being, um, susceptible to life happening on life's terms. There's no doubt. You know, the storm is either in your life today or it's on its way, but so too is the ability to transcend that. And these, these steps in this design for living give us the ability to do that. So with that, I'll pass. Um, we got time, I think, for another share here. Who would like that opportunity? This is Reggie. Hey, Reggie. How about you wrap us up here? Good morning. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, Larry. This is Reggie O in uh, Los Angeles area. We covered here. And, uh, you know, yeah, this is really amazing, you know, that we have realized for a long time that some form of moral psychology was of urgent, urgent importance to alcoholics, but its application presented difficulties beyond our conception. And, you know, I, I imagine, I don't know, I, I don't know the, the history that, that well right now, but uh, I imagine that Dr. Silkworth, when he was writing this book, actually knew what that, you know, the moral psychology, which um, the, the Oxford Principles, Tenets, and the 12 Steps, um, that he knew what that was, but its application presented difficulties beyond our conception, which really speaks to, um, you know, one of the principles, one of the steps, the 12th step, you know, we when, once we've gone through the process and we've, uh, and, and we've recovered, the, we no longer have the obsession, we're no longer using our alcoholic foods, then we carry the message. We carry the message to other compulsive eaters. And, um, and you know, someone could read this book and they could learn and study and see how it all fit together. But if they had not had the experience, you know, the big book so much talks about uh, it's one alcoholic presenting the information, their experience to another, and the other gets to see what the recovery actually looks like and and. and uh, feels like talking to another human being. It has that depth and weight because of the experience of the person who has done it. And so it just, you know, it just really strikes me of the power of the, you know, the power of the whole program that even though it's out there widely acknowledged now that it's probably not that, you know, it's probably not that um, uh, effective if it's not presented, you know, that in that heart to heart 
uh, way from one compulsive eater to another. So, um, and I and I just love that, and it was really wonderful. How what a what a vision what a visionary he was. I think I really got that this morning. The significance of of him on our on our path, and uh, that you know the ultra modern standards, their scientific approach, uh, not well equipped to apply the powers of good. You know, and uh, so I'm very grateful that we have it the way that we do. And uh, and and I'll pass with that. Thanks, Reggie. Okay, and thank you to everyone who was on the meeting and shared this morning, and special thanks to Stacy T, and we got Allison and Nadia and Sylvia and Lisa, and uh, please, um, you know, we're going we're gonna to close now from a reading of the big book uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 164. Hey, Sylvia, are you able to read that for us? I'm here. Hi. <laughs> okay, Larry. Good morning, visionaries. This is Sylvia F., a recovered compulsive overeater from Northern California. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.